0: Okay, I would like now to help you with uh, your reading of the very important Appendix 1. This is uh, a first attempt at formalizing a little the notion of general equilibrium theory. There will be many others, but uh, I would like to guide your reading and Jovain will do the rest in the the review session. The discussion revolves around what is called the Edgeworth-Bowley box. Okay, big name, the name, name of the two economists who thought about it. Now, we have what we sometimes we call a Mickey Mouse economy, very small, very simple economy to try to start thinking about general equilibrium. It's an exchange economy. I'm not going to go into the detail. I'm just going to underline the key concept and let you read about it. It's an exchange economy, no production. Key concept, endowment, what we start with okay we start with an economy where there's ten units of good one and six units of good two we'll come back to that in a moment we are going to describe the notion of an allocation an allocation is a way of sharing these goods between two people two people in that economy mr a and mrs b okay and an allocation is a way of distributing these goods these ten units of good one six units of good two to these two individuals and we are going to discuss the notion of feasible allocation. Okay? Now, the tool is this box. The box is a rectangle. Why is it a rectangle? Because we have 10 units of good one. Here, horizontally, we are representing these 10 units. The one would be here, the three would be there, and we have 10 here. And we have only 6 units of good two, so that's why we have a rectangle. Eight eighth is smaller than the length the width. Okay? Now what you think about this we are going to put here Mr. A and here Mrs. B Mrs. B looks southeast Mr. A looks northwest. Okay? Now think about it. What is an allocation, a way of sharing the good? Well, an allocation is a dot in this rectangle. Any dot is a way of sharing the goods the available goods between A and B. I'm focusing now on allocation E. It is a feasible allocation. It consists in giving two units of good one to Mr. A and four units of good two to Mr. A. What does that mean? Well, that means that Mrs. B will get 10 minus 2, 8 units from the point of view of Mr. B, Mrs. B, this is eight, eight units of good one, and Mrs. B will get, from the point of view of Mrs. B, six minus four, two units of good two. All dots, all points in this rectangle are feasible allocations. All dots, all points outside the rectangle are non-feasible allocation. They would correspond to giving more than what is actually available. I will come back to this picture in order to think about the general equilibrium and Pareto optimality to think about welfare we need to talk about the preferences of these agents what is it that they like formalizing this notion of preferences will be the object of our chapter two but we need to provide a first introduction here and we are simply define or, or represent agent's preferences by their indifference curves. What are indifference curves? Well, they are level curves. Level curves, like those that you see on a map. If you go and work, walk in the mountains, you are going to have a map with level curves. Level curves correspond to ISO level in terms of altitude. Here we are talking of ISO level curves in terms of utility, in terms of satisfaction. Okay. And we are going to represent these indifference curves from the point of view of this allocation e that we saw in the previous picture. Okay? What does that mean? That means that we are going to link, graphically, all those allocations that provide the same utility to each of the two agents. But let's start with Mr. A. Okay, Now what do we know about these level curves? first thing we know is that they really depend on specific subjective characteristics of individuals that we don't know much about and so um, there is not one single weight of three single level curves there is one single A for Mr. A there is one single way for Ms. Mrs. B but what we know is three things slope downward they do not cross and they are convex to the origin they slope downward, and I will let you think about this because individuals typically prefer more rather than less and that's enough to define, to imply that the indifference curve slope downward. They do not cross because they are not crazy in the sense that if they say that they like a certain allocation better than another and they like a third one better than the second one they must be liking the third one better than the first one. Again, this will require a bit more thinking on your part but I will not dwell on it at this moment and finally they are convex to the origin, this is directly the result of this consumption smoothing preference that we discussed already in the first uh, section. What does that mean? Well that means that indifference curves have this general shape for A, if you look again from the bottom, they slope downward, they do not cross, I traced only one, if I wanted to trace another one it would look something like this, at the third one something like that they, I, they are not exactly parallel but they cannot cross and uh, they are convex to the origin uh, that is they have this shape, uh, the shape that is traced they are non-convex to the origin it would be exactly the opposite one which would be the indifference curve of Mr. A would look like the indifference curve of Mrs. B So, what about Mrs. B? Well, Mrs. B, remember, we look at her from the point of view of the other, uh, from bottom bottom down, uh, top down, I'm sorry. And so, indeed, if you turn your page, you will see that uh, they are also convex to the origin from the point of view of Mrs. B. Okay, so that's what I want to talk, say, about preferences, and then introduce a little formal uh, derivation that requires uh, your uh, exercising a little bit. In fact, the definition of the level curve in mathematical term, is that it is a set, and because it is a set I'm missing these parentheses here, it is a set of points that I can, correspond, that I can identify as consumption of, that's why I, I wrote it little c, of good one and good two for a, Okay consumption of good 1 by Mr. A, consumption of good 2 by Mr. A, and these consumption, sometimes we sometime we'll talk about consumption bundles, should all provide the same utility as the allocation E. So it is a set of points that are ISO level in terms of utility, so the utility is constant along this indifference curve. Okay? So what we are saying, repeating here, is that when we go from this point on this curve that and we go along the curve, the level of utility is always the same. That's why we call them indifference curve. But that enables us mathematically to use calculus in order to formally describe these level curves. And the way we do it, and I want to do it here because I want to give you a chance to make sure that you understand this and you can do it by your own yourself, is to take the total differential. Okay? We are going to take the total differential and equate it to zero why equate it to zero? because there is no change in utility it's the same utility, so the change in utility du, the change in utility along the level curve is zero now what is the change in utility? this is it the total differential is the partial derivative multiplied by the change in consumption the second partial derivative multiplied by the change in consumption and it's equal to zero Okay. So, this equation is exactly the translation of this statement, du is equal to zero, and it leads us by simply you know, permute, uh, changing the term, permute, permuting the term, to express the slope of the le- level curve as the ratio of these partial derivatives, which we call marginal utilities. Okay? So the slope, negative because we know they are downward sloping, and I put the negative term in front, the slope of the uh, level curve is negative, and it's the ratio, the negative of the slope is the ratio of the marginal utilities which you will have to learn to interpret as the increase in utility provided by a marginal increase in consumption of good one and of good two respectively. we identify this ratio of marginal utility as a marginal rate of substitution. Okay. Now, two concepts that we introduce here, the concept of Pareto optimum, it's an allocation of resources, no indication of how it is reached, just pick it out, it has the characteristic that once we are at that allocation, if we want to go from that allocation to another one, we necessarily are going to reduce the utility of one agent. It's not possible to move from that allocation to another one without making someone worse off. Of course, typically and clearly in the bully box, if we make someone worse off, we make someone else better off. But we are going to characterize, we are going to be interested in those allocations that have this property that they are, in a sense, good for both agents, in a sense, that has to be uh, well understood, Uh, and in particular that it involves no waste, no wastage. So this is the definition of Pareto-Optimum. Okay, and when you think about it, and maybe I will stop this introduction at this stage here. I would like to identify all the points, all the Pareto optimum points, in uh, our picture. And in order to do that, I will simply have to connect all the points where the values in different curves are tangent to each other. Okay. In other words, I'm going to argue that a Pareto optimum means tangency between the indifference curve of Mr. A and Mrs. B. Okay? And let me formalize or prove that statement uh, in a a non-formal way uh, with this picture. Think about E. At point E, at a location E, indifference curve cross. They are not tangent. What does that mean? Well the fact that they cross necessarily means that there is something like an area which is this gray which area that I'm shading if they cross there must be space at the right or at the left of this crossing point where uh, there are allocation and these allocation are preferred by both individuals such as point D right why is point D an allocation that is better than E for Mr. A? Well, because it is above the indifference curve passing through E. Why is point E a location preferred by Mrs. B? Because it's a point that is above the indifference curve of Mrs. B. It's below, but it's because you look at, look at the wrong direction. You should be looking from the point of view of Mrs. B, and from the point of view of Mrs. B, point D is also above the indifference curve. So when indifference curves cross, they of necessity imply that there are allocations that are preferred to the point of crossing by both agents. That means that the point E is not a Pareto optimum. And a contrario, if they do not cross, this is not the case, it is not possible and I'm going to this picture now, if they do not cross, if they are tangent, like we have here, like I will take this point here, I don't know why we have a 9 here, I think I meant to, I, so we, let's call this point f, and work on this, you see there is tangency indif- indifference curve, these indifference curves are tangent, that means that if I go in any direction, I'm going to make one or the other agent worse off we are at a Pareto optimum. We cannot move from point f anywhere, in any direction, try all directions. There is always one of the agents that will be made worse of. This is a Pareto optimum. Last concept, and I leave you for this session, is this a unique property? And the answer is obviously not. I could start with another point, and here I have another point of tangency. Point E. It's another point of tangency, so it is another pareto optimum. In fact, there is an infinity of optimum, and this is what we describe as the contract curve. You have to think a little bit about it. Basically, what you, you have to think is if I want to in- identify a new indifference curve, a new pareto optimum, I could simply fix the level curve of Mrs. B, okay so i have indifference curve of mrs b a new one and i have to try to see where is it that i could use feasible allocation and make mr a as well off as possible under the constraint that we are on that indifference curve and by construction if i have traced the contract curve in the way that i have traced it the tangency must be here it's by construction okay so we have an infinity of Pareto Optima, uh, they are represented by the contract curve, but it's a very important set of points because we want to make sure that the allocation provided by, for instance, a price mechanism, a system of markets, is going to be an allocation that is a Pareto Optimum. Otherwise, there would be some wastage, and we hate that. Okay? Let me stop here. We will come back on the second important notion, competitive equilibrium, next time. Okay.